Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys and gals. Thanks for coming to our show. Here's some things we want you to know. Attention, Meltcasters. Mention Meltcast inside Meltdown Comics, and any variant cover is reduced to $5. Follow through with this exclusive deal today. For those of you looking to join Loot Crate, we have a special promo code for this our very podcast. If you go to lootcrate.com backslash meltcast, use the promo code meltcast3, and that will get you the promotion that is most current for Loot Crate. Check it out, lootcrate.com. Are you a fan of science fiction, horror, and giant monsters? then you're probably very familiar with Famous Monsters magazine. Right now on Kickstarter, you can help fund Famous Monsters Presents Tales from the Acker Mansion. If you're not familiar, Forry J. Ackerman was the founder of Famous Monsters and is known world around as the grandfather of science fiction. This year marks what would have been Uncle Forry's 100th birthday, and to celebrate... Famous Monsters is putting together an anthology called Tales from the Acker Mansion. You can help fund this and get your own copy on Kickstarter now. And we'll have stories by none other than the legend himself, John Carpenter, William F. Nolan, John Five, Richard Matheson, and many more. Check it out on Kickstarter now. You may have heard the rumors from friends and family, or maybe even the whispers that are forming in the quiet corners of the fan conventions around the globe. They are all saying the same thing. It's coming! And now, the entertainment innovators at Angry Goat Productions are making these rumors a reality. Get ready for the world's first cosplay train! Our railers as we call them, will board the first-of-its-kind cosplay train as whatever character they choose to be that day. They will experience a sci-fi car connected to the 21 Plus Lounge car, connected to the Fantasy Words car, connected to the Video Gaming car. Well, you get the idea. Where does this cosplay train go, you're asking? How about to some of the world's largest pop culture events? Oh, and don't worry about the restrictions of packing several oversized props and costumes. We have that covered, too, by creating their very own cosplay baggage car. Get ready to board this exciting off-the-rails adventure. Golden Rail Passes and Rail and Sail Packages will be announced. Stay tuned for updates. This is all from the folks at Angry Goat Productions. Hop on the cosplay train, 844-4-COSPLAY.
Hello, everyone, and welcome to Meltcast 3.0. My name is Derek Vandermillen, and joining me today, as always, Aristotle Acevedo. Acevedo but such a fancy name. Yeah. Hey. Well, yeah, but I feel like I always just like giving the Aristotle. It's just easy. Or Aristakos, which is oh. one of the best handles. You know, ever. I never, I never, I never say that out loud. People always say it to me, yeah, but I never, I almost never. Do they ever go, oh, you're Aristakos? And you're like, oh, this is weird. Uh, I don't think anyone's ever. You're calling me by my Twitter handle. People call me by the Twitter handle in person, but they've never said like, oh, you're Mm. Aristakos. Like, oh, you're that. The world famous Aristakos. The only Aristakos. In the world. Uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us for the program today. We had a nice little excerpt in there about the cosplay train. Um, it's very easy to uh, find out more about that. It's just a simple search for cosplay train in Google. And it's the very first one, Angry Goat Productions, uh, going up there. So I've been gone for for a, a, a week. While. A while. Um, I had the, the fortune to go back home. Uh, to the motherland uh, in the cornfields um, and uh, see some friends for a wedding. Uh, I was the second of one of my uh, really uh, best group of friends um, to get married. And uh, we celebrated by going camping and we found a a giant hill um, that overlooked the entirety of uh, the Iowa River and Lake McBride, and it was all great and gravy and everything. And then we, uh, the ant hills that we noticed that were at the apex of this hill that we we stood on. Hills on hills. Um, it was hills on hills. It was high up, uh, so high that they said, "Don't even try to dive into the water from up here." There was just signs um, all over <laughs> the climb up. And I saw um, some anthills in the ground that I was like, man, those are wide. Those are some serious antholes. And as we were taking in the very picturesque view of Iowa, um, we just heard buzzing. And we were like, what What was that? It was, and it's like, cue the Jaws theme because this is when the – I was told they were called mud wasps came out but it and, and maybe they don't actually sting but it was very intimidating to go from hey this is just a place where maybe ants are i thought it was strange i saw no ants to all of a sudden just wasps coming out of the ground and the groom to be at the time now married <laughs> um he he was he brought up the fishing gear because uh, we also went fishing, um, put it on top of the mountain, just down. And when all of the wasps started to come out of the ground, uh, that's when it was like, anyone want to get the hell out of here? And <laughs> everyone just did a mass exit. And I, I was kind of the last to just like, because when you when you said that it was wasps, I imagine everyone just ran. Was it not a run? No, it was like a oh we. We just need to leave very slowly because we were also on top of a, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a place where we could really stand and have lots of room to run around. It was like all five of us made it to the top of here and we're just looking. And so we're calmly trying to leave and I'm sort of the last to be like, okay, guys, maybe hurry up getting down the hill. And uh, my friend Matt basically has all of the fishing gear in hand except for one thing. And he's just like... All of his arms are filled, and he just looks at me very like earnestly and goes, "Hey, man, can you get that last bag?" And the last bag is like near the highest concentration of just holes that are now buzzing 
with wasps and I have to bend down low to pick it up and hope that nothing's in the pockets of this basically tackle box. Um, that's not a box. It's more like a lunchbox, like nylon looking thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so no one got stung. That's that's nice. It was just a very kind of intimidating moment. <laughs> um, but it, it was great to go back. I played my first uh, rounds of golf um, and got completely sunburnt, just toasty. I'm still mm-hmm. now peeling. I, I feel like gold member. Um, that I'm just pulling off bits of skin and this is like a week later. Um, so I did that. Um, that was a very exciting. And then for the 4th of July, what did you do? Aristotle, did you get a chance Barbecued to do anything? And drank and watched TV and, did, bar- and fireworks off in the distance. Yeah. Off the in the whole, distance. Whole thing. Um, uh, just in your home. Yeah. Did you get comfortably drunk? Did you get rowdy drunk? No, Did you it was just have one. It was a slow burn throughout the day. <laughs> where I never actually got drunk. Yeah. It was just drinking throughout the day. Yeah. But uh with enough time in between that it wasn't like ah at the end yeah. of the day. It was it was crazy to go back home because I was reminded how cheap alcohol is there. Um marijuana happens in Iowa if you know certain people and I guess harder stuff, but I never try to seek that out because I'm a good little kid of the nineties. <laughs> um and um I was just reminded how cheap it was. It was it was like um local brews that are good, um and some some imports draft poor five fifty. Um, and I was just comparing that to out here, and you get a draft pour of Bud 13, Light for 10. yeah eight or nine, yeah. and then you get to move graduate into the other one. So it was I was taking full advantage of that, and uh, oddly enough, because I'm very straight laced, my dad is even more so. Um, he uh, bought me my first drink in a bar. Mm-hmm. He was quick to point out, like, well. When you come home and we have alcohol in the fridge, that's technically me buying it for you, which I'm still getting used to seeing you do, because obviously he thinks of me as this, just this little kid. But yeah, I was the first in a in a bar experience, which I I was like, oh, I'm such an odd man out. But then I you know asked a number of people who were in the bar with us, and they're like, yeah, I don't know if my dad's ever done that for me either. I was kind of like, oh, I guess I'm not alone. Hmm. Is your dad? No, Mm-mm. not so much. Mm. Wait, are you saying like bought bought, bought you a drink a in a bar? Yeah, no. I don't think we've been to a bar together. Together? Mm-mm. Yeah, yeah. So I, it was this weird me thinking like, wait, which is stranger that this is happening now or that it hasn't happened yet? Hmm. Um, so that was that was pretty fun. I always pictured it though as one of those things that would have that that should be. Yeah, that's or that there'd be some ceremony to it, and it kind of mm-hmm. it kind of did, but it was sort of like, oh, we haven't done this by now. We should probably check that one off the list. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was that was just before the fourth, and then my fourth was being in Indiana in the city of Whiting or Whitting, depending on on. I'm pretty sure it's Whiting because uh, there's not two T's. Uh, Whiting, Indiana, for their giant parade uh, that they had, in which the Justice League was in attendance, and mm-hmm. this was the coolest event uh for me personally just because it was throngs of people that were excited to see all the other floats but we were we were billed as one of the things on on the poster as like justice league is showing up um and it was a lot i was i was surprised i I was like is this gonna be like a one street town scenario but it was a lot of people um city yes so uh city of whiting thank you so much for being hospitable 
the very nature of it is different because I've gone to park openings uh, in Six Flags and all of the the staff at Six Flags, every single one we've gone to, they're super hospitable. They're 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 nice. They're just so excited that we're there. Uh, that they're really great. But because it's an opening for a ride, uh, which some people, depending on where you're listening from, have probably seen the adverts for um, the 40 Justice League ride um, that they have now at Six Flags, where you basically ride around, you get a shoot at like Lexbots and various things in the terrain. But what Six Flags? All uh, they're all starting to open. I did Texas and St. Louis last year, and then we did Chicago oh. this year. Um, so yeah, they're very slowly starting to, um, open up, but it's the very nature of those are so strange because it's a ride that's opening and a few people kind of get in to come see us. So it's not throngs of people, Mm -hmm. oddly enough. It's usually before the parks even opened that we're there and we're there for the media exclusive. We're there for the media. And it's, it's funny because the media really only knows Batman and Superman and and they'll look at Wonder Woman and still get confused. Oh, are you Supergirl? And they look at me and they go, oh, are you Aquaman? And Flash, they're now finally starting to get because I don't know who you'd confuse him with. But yeah, it's it's just a little, it's it, it's a little like wow, guys. It's surprising the, to hear. Yeah, yeah. But this is like the media in in a place that's not necessarily connected to like Hollywood and like watching TV all the time. Um so this was in Indiana was cool just because it was the the nature of being on a float and and sort of a focal point that's moving mm-hmm. with people that are stationary, although some of them weren't stationary because they were like running up and holding their kids up to be like, I just want you to touch my kid's hand and it was like, okay, high five and things like that. That was cool. But it 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 was a limited amount of time that they could like have an interaction with us. Mm-hmm. And since there were so many people, it usually was like shouting from afar or something like that. Um, and so it was just like a quick sprint of them being like, you're so cool. Look this way. Do something. Hey. And yelling at all, all of all of the heroes. I had somebody recite the entire oath at me as like our float passed that felt pretty cool um and then when we did like a meet and greet where everyone we were by lake michigan and for the for batman and uh uh, superman who were um in capes it was like a perfect spot for the cape to always be blowing so in any picture they were they had taken of them um they just looked so cool um and then uh we i had a guy at the meet and greet basically like here let me show you i have a picture of like all nine of the rings so i was kind of like yes this is what i've been missing is (laughs) there are throngs of fans that just are kind of in the woodworks and all it takes is like one giant place mm-hmm. um, to meet the whole of them. Um, so that was a lot of fun. That's and awesome. um, I kind of like being Green Lantern of Space Sector 2814. So that was uh, the recap of where I've been. There's been some cool, I, I think some really cool nerdy news and just things that have happened. So the biggest one that we need to talk about you're a little more versed than me. I, only, as of this day, only by like a day. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I just today downloaded Pokemon Go, which yeah. I've just seen so many statuses about. And it's just, it's, 
it's pretty it feels good to be in a it's a game changer yeah um what what are your thoughts on it so far uh i feel like i we when it was announced we talked about it where i was highly skeptical of it mm-hmm. people were excited right off the bat and I'm yeah like, no there's no there's no gameplay Show me some gameplay. I want to know what how you're going to actually make this thing real. Yeah. Because they were promising all this stuff, but having like a commercial CGI version, no gameplay. And I want right. to know what did that look like. Yeah. And That's the thing with games is so so many times they do this really epic, like basically cutscene. Yeah. That you're like, I'm so I'm so revved up, and then you see gameplay is just so different. Yeah. So that's what like, like how do you. How do you make it? How do you so deliver? Every, yeah, yeah, exactly. And they're, they're like thirty percent there, right? I you would say. you've had two days with it, yeah, and you want to see well two out of three days of having it now, yeah, because all of yesterday it was of the day it, as of this recording it came out three days ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second day. It was just not working. Servers down. Every time glitchy. I open it, yeah. I had to log in again, and then I would get the servers thing. Yeah. So I did not get to play at all yesterday. Which that's kind of like well, a... That's a lie. But You got a little bit in. It's actually a big point of what made me hate it yesterday, oh. was that uh, you have to go walk around mm-hmm. to find these Pokemon. And so I was just at home. I was like, eh, I probably won't do that. But then I, uh, it'll tell you what Pokemon are nearby. Yeah. And I saw the silhouette of a Scyther. So Whoa. I had to, like I ran down the street and I, uh, I live on a hill. So I walked to the bottom <laughs> of my hill and was walking around trying to get to where the Scyther might be. Yeah. And then it crashed. Ah. And when I let me back in, yeah, it was gone. Yes. And then it crashed again and then just would not open. So, so uh, there's still some bugs. Uh, to it. Oh, there's, uh, there's yeah, and that's for for me. I it's kind of like a thing anyway. The nature of it is you can check in whenever mm-hmm. and and things. Um, so yeah, I had some frustrating things too. Like when I I started and they're like, oh, our servers are down. So yeah. that's I had downloaded it and it was like, oh, this is a awkward way to start off <laughs> gameplay. Um, but then when I got here was when I saw you and Jamie. Uh, basically, with phones out, uh, Jamie is our uh, our CEO uh, mm-hmm. here at Meltdown Comics. You'll hear him talk about uh, wrestling um, and many things. Kayfabe Corner um, from XSN. Um, he had it out too, and he was and he was like mm-hmm. excited. He was like, "No, no, no! It's back up! It's back yeah. up!" And then that's when it's like, "Oh, I'll I'll start and I'll make my character." And the frustrating thing was was that for 10, 15 minutes. Ten, Actually, that length of time was me attempting to come up with names to name my character. And it was taking, I mean, I was doing the most ridiculous names. It's not like I was doing things like Ash or like all of the obvious things. I was, there was a point where Francisco was like, hey, throw out Iowa corn. And I was like, sure, 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 let's do it. And then I did Iowa corn and that was quote unquote taken and then what name did you end up with blah blah goop because i was just so frustrated i was like oh oh yeah i'm sure i'm sure all of these names are just taken i bet blah blah goop is taken and then that ended up being that ended up so that's why so i don't know if there's going to be an element of like find this other trainer but if you want to b-l-a-h b-l-a-h-g-o-o-p 
That's my trainer's name. Well, I'm glad there's just a, as far as I know, only one Ari's Tacos. Is that, that's all? You didn't do numbers or anything no, like I that? No, okay. I got just Ari's Tacos. Yes. So how does that factor into Meltdown Comics? Well, we're fortunate enough to just be who we are, and the game immediately recognized that we deserve to be a Pokemon training facility. A gym. A gym. If you want to be a lay person, Aristotle, um, we are a gym, and there is a, um, I would imagine, pretty permanent seeming spot to get Pokeballs uh, in our Meltdown Alley behind our shop. Um, You just give it a spin and get Pokeballs uh, for all those failed attempts at trying to (laughs) capture Pokemon. Now, what I've noticed is... Um, You're going to waste a lot of Pokeballs. Yeah, at the start. But I think I'm starting to get it, even though I just started literally playing today. Um, There's also, like, no instructions on anything. No, it's 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 completely... Uh, you're left to your own devices. I started spinning the ball uh, at the recommendation of Chris, or mm. Christopher, however he's gone on, on the podcast before. It's Chris. Chris. Um, and uh, I've spin the ball... And you, that gets you XP, uh, more XP and things like that. Possibly, there's I, definitely, it's it's clearly like throwing out shimmers. So it's, it's the game a lot more recon- challenging. Yeah, it's a curveball. Yeah, so that fucks you even more. Yeah, but I've <laughs> I've managed to get it. And if you hold down, if you hold down, um, you wait to the large. It basically goes large, mm. like the circle. Um, use your words, Derek. There's, it, when you hold it down, it starts a targeting system, and it shrinks the circle down, and then right when it's at its smallest, it expands back out to uh, the circle. And I've noticed that that's what you're aiming for is. when it's, sweet spot. Yeah, it's when it's biggest. Uh, because the second that it makes contact with that larger circle, the ball, um, then, it, then it'll go to try and capture it. Which I did have a failed attempt at a Clefable. Was that what you saw earlier? Yeah, I saw. That's it. I've been seeing a lot of Pokemon at Meltdown. I know it's it's crazy. We are and and I had a customer come in and say that to me, and she's been playing for as long as it's been up now for the yeah. few days, and she yeah. said it is a hot spot. So how does that factor into our shop? Because we've already had kind of just. The Walking Dead of of Pokemon players just coming in and doing that. Um, Their phones out. Yes, you hear the music. Yes, you hear the music. Um, We are giving ten percent to anyone that captures a Pokemon in the shop uh, and gives us some love on social media, um, being like, "I caught a a Pokemon." A lot of things um, that we were throwing out was uh, if you have a screenshot that looks cool. A lot of um, Rhyhorns in the area. Yes, Rhyhorns. What else? Uh, uh, obviously, know. Zubats, because it's Pokemon and Zubats are everywhere. Um, something else that I was wondering, though, is uh, if they, like, am I most, more likely, am I for sure going to find a Gyarados by the ocean? Like, I, is that where I can only sure find It sure seems them? like it's possible. That'd be um, cool. That would be cool. I want to go to the top of Verdugo Mountain and see what's up there. Can you imagine if Mew was just sitting at the top of a mountain? I feel like... It'd if you be like if Mount you work Fuji. that hard, if you work that hard climbing up a mountain, let's be honest. You deserve a mew. Okay, maybe maybe Mount Verdugo. I Verdugo. shouldn't get a mew, a dragonite. But I, yeah, yeah, or like a like a Zapdos. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> let's get one of the legendary birds. Um, I have, I do, I haven't seen any of the outside of one fifty one Pokemon yet. Have you? Yeah, no, I don't. I don't Is think it so. the one fifty one? I believe. That so, made yeah. me so happy. Um, 
I don't know that there'll ever be a Mew. I you mean, don't know possibly. that, do you? yeah. Like that's one of the things that they they showed in the um, in the trailer, I guess, is how do you make an event like in the trailer? There's a Mewtwo in like uh, Times Square. How does how does that become a thing? I want mm. there to be alerts, like um, oh, I'm, yeah, I'm want, sure there'll be. I'm surprised that I haven't gotten any alerts because mm-hmm. the Walking Dead game I play, it's like whenever I canned a like canned any of the tomatoes that I grew in my garden. That's let's be honest. Like I'm playing Farmville with zombies and it's still really, really awesome. But I, I don't have any delusions where I'm not seeing how this is very similar to Farmville that my mother plays, you know? Uh, So that is, uh, that's the walking dead. It's still an awesome game. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know how I'm going to find the balance now that I got two (laughs) app games that I'm playing. And one of them requires you to have it open like all the time. That's, that's the issue is that I would like to get a notification. What happens if you don't? There's a Pokemon. Well, okay. You're saying just, you miss Pokemon if you're not, if you don't have it open. Yeah. If you, if you don't open the game, nothing's going to happen. Like, there should be a Pokedex sound that happens with, yeah. a, like, a notification of, like... Like, hey, there's some Pokemon near you. Yeah. Open up. And it'd be cool. I've always thought this, and I just don't know. I don't I don't know how difficult it is, but, like, if you did, like, a like a rarity difference sound. Like, wouldn't it, wouldn't it... Like, if it was, let's say, just a really common Zubat, that'd be annoying if it kept notifying me about a Zubat. It's like, I don't care. But if they had different sound alerts that they do... Because I know there's just different, like, uh, what is it? Um, Messenger has a completely different sound. That's not a part of my phone. It's not a mm. default of my phone. You know what I mean? So they send the sounds. That'd be really cool if they did, like, a epic, rare, like, alert. Bum, bum, yeah. Bum, 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 bum. Open your phone right now or you'll be disappointed. Like that. Because I, if it just notified me anytime, that would get a little wow. annoying. Um, but yes, yeah, so it's a lot of fun. If you show us a Pokemon that you caught here in store, if you have some Twitter love to show us about the Pokemon that you caught, uh, or even managed to get a uh, screenshot that you think is cool, uh, we've already got a few. Um, one is me here, just my point of view, right at the uh, podcast space. With a Aristotle leaning over, trying to catch one from his little corner, and I see the very awesome briefs that he's wearing um, as he leans over to try and catch this thing that's just hiding in the corner. It's great. We're going to be putting that up on Twitter, so check that out. Um, And that's pretty much all I have for Pokemon Go. Another thing that happened in Nerdy News um, is Mr. Sulu. Of Star Trek, Star Trek uh, Beyond, to be specific, which is coming out. They've just released the information that he will be gay and understood to be gay in uh, this version of Star Trek. Um, surprisingly, I thought that there was going to be like a lot on uh, George Sakai's uh, Twitter. Twitter about uh, talking about it. And... It could just be because he posts so frequently, more so than I think of any celebrity that I know that's not a Kardashian. Um, it it could just be that his his uh, feed was just littered with all the other things he thinks is cool in the world. Um, but I did I did I didn't see any comment from him, and I felt like if there's any reason why that choice was made for Sulu is because of the person that played him before. Yeah, absolutely. you know, because. Um, 
I don't know. I don't know how it's going to be teased. I, I don't think we've seen him be romantic Mm-mm. or even seeming so in the previous two. Um, but but the, yeah. The thing that I read, though, says that it's not going to be like a, a, well, romant- focus. a romantic focus or anything. Yeah. He just is. Well, it's just... Um, it does get... It's interesting because I know a number of people in the uh, gay community, almost like any other community, it's... Or just the state of our country, we're kind of polarized. There's, you know, a number of my gay friends that are like, no, it should be like, like very on the on the head. It should be like a like a Han kissing Leia moment. It should be like right in our face, the same way that it is that. There's other people that that say, no, like the fact like the fact that it's just said and it's, it's understated normal. is like that's when it feels normalized. Yeah. That's when it truly feels normalized. So we don't need this big hurrah moment. I like the um, word. I like working the working towards that. I like how that is played out. I just don't. I know we're not there yet because it's still news that he is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like once it's like, oh, okay, yeah, of course. Then I feel like that's the point where it's like, but, oh man, we are so it's so normal now. Well, not that it's not. No, Let, it's yeah. Here's here's <laughs> here's one thing that I, if you're just going for your summer flick. I could see how maybe I'm just putting myself in the shoes of let's say the the person that had the most vitriolic response to that is probably just somebody that's like oh I just wanted to go see a summer blockbuster oh my god gay stuff on screen like that would be that would be the worst but any of the diehard Star Trek I mean it's like come on they have like I've, Star like, Trek has been a source of progress for so long like asserting that it is the 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 final frontier basically mm-hmm. um is is getting to the point where we've moved on and we're actually we understand we need to work together and trek through space um basically so you know when you start to, when you think back to it having racial diversity for the first time on television this is almost just a drop in a larger bucket that Star Trek's always had going, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Um, but I'm still happy to hear the news, yes. uh, nonetheless. Um, other than that, uh, we had a, a Game of Thrones recap on uh, the last episode that I was on, and it got some praise from some friends of mine back home, um, Wiley Shots. Uh, thank you very much for listening religiously to Melcast 3.0. Thank you. Um, that was uh, cool to hear him say, like, keep that going. So we have to talk about the very last episode of Game of Thrones. Forever? <gasps> no, no, uh, no. I, I don't know how many more they plan on doing for seasons. I don't know if there's been a definitive yet. Somebody told me to, but they could have just been talking mm. out their butt. Um, but we did get the last episode, episode 10 of season 6, and there were some big, big things that happened. And I was talking to Caitlin, um, the program director here uh, for the Nerd Melt showroom. Mm-hmm. She was uh, she was on episode seven, I think. And I was just like, oh, my God, you have so of, – of, of this current season. She was watching it down there. It was nice because she was like sprawled out and kind of like just cuddling up to her <laughs> own MacBook. And I was like, you're in such a position here of getting things done. And it's actually nice to see you taking a break for a second. Uh, but she was watching Game of Thrones, and um, I was like, oh, the episodes just get better and better. Like, it just ramps up towards the very end. And this season, is, I think, is great is because it was just all 
the previous seasons was like, oh my god, I just, I loved that character. Why'd you kill them? You know what I mean? It was just all response of like outrage of like, no, you killed, oh god, I, I can't watch this anymore. This is an escapism for me. This season was just so many, watching so many people who had it coming to them get it. Just get it. And it sticks, and it's done, and it's forever. Um, and so that was—it's just a really gratifying season. So if you haven't watched anything yet, I'm going to go into the spoilers of the very last episode, um, just lightly because I also don't want to ruin it for you, Aristotle. Whenever you decide to watch, um, but one of the big things that really stuck out for me um, was what happened to High Sparrow. Um, who is this religious figure that has surfaced? I can't remember if he showed up a little bit uh, in the previous season, but he's definitely been a prominent figure of this season. And he is essentially um, the the religious center figure that is dressing as the beggar. Basically, he's not. He's he's he is. The definition in my mind of practicing what he preaches, and he he expects everyone else to do the same. Um, and so I'll I'll say this at the beginning for all of you that are Game of Thrones listeners. I really liked High Sparrow, and I know a lot of people that I've talked to have been like, "No, he's a bastard!" Like his all of his like followers walk around with the 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 um the new seal of the seven on their foreheads get basically gets carved into their forehead. So that's about the only thing to me that's like, all right, that's a little hardcore, but we are talking about religion here and people do that sometimes. Um, But he, to me, he just took everything that people tried to throw at him. And it was like a constant string of people just underestimating this beggar and his clothes. And he would just take like Cersei was a great example. She basically says, um, oh God, it's said so many times, but I can't remember it verbatim. It's basically the crown and the faith are the two pillars in which the world sits upon. Um, that's me paraphrasing. Um, Cersei says that to him to try and get him to basically um, put two people she needs into the cells and and brainwash them like he does. Um, but he keeps that message coming back and keeps throwing it into her face because her son is the young king and he doesn't know what the hell he's doing. He's the puppet king, basically. And he always thinks that he's exerting some sort of say in the matter and it's just always somebody whispering in his ear or saying, no, do this thing. Um, and that's Tomlin. Um, and so when that's getting thrown back at Cersei, I was kind of like, Yes, dude. Like I'm I'm happy that you're you are making her eat her own words. And there's a point where the um high guard comes out and they they have the new seal of the seven branded onto them. Um and there's just there's very clear beats of High Sparrow. He is he is making people get conditioned to be a part of the faith. He he does have people working for him. I think that's the way in which he's the most insidious is not anything he he's doing or saying. He just has his people that do the dirty work for him. Like basically this nun, um, forgive me, Game of Thrones fans. Um, there's this giant nun, um, woman that 
is always saying confess to anyone that's in one of these dungeons and she just reads um all of all of uh, all of the verses out of the book that they read from that's their religious text and uh and again forgive me cuz i am working through the books now um for not knowing all the specific details but she is um it's it's stockholm syndrome it's not even stockholm it's just like making them love the lord through giving them no other option they're just in a cell um i guess it's the seven lords um but i don't know i liked him because he he just anyone that had shit that they weren't owning up to he was like own up to it and then you can move on it with the exception of cersei um the king of flowers got the seal carved into his head um so he got kind of i think the worst is just like having that permanently on your head but she did have to do a, a walk of shame cersei the king of flowers the king of flowers yes which you know oh or you're just I, asking about yeah. okay um i i can't remember because you brought it up um who was playing iron fist that's the character oh yes is he'll be playing iron fist and he does look pretty badass once his um like curly locks are like, and I, I'm speaking as somebody who has curly locks, uh, shaved off. I was like, oh, now I see Daniel Rand because when they were making him very um, fluffy, uh, that's when I was sort of like, oh, really interesting. Iron Fist, okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so he got, he basically, High Sparrow is like, okay, we're going to carve this into your head. But High Sparrow gets his own, he gets his own too. And I just, uh, he goes up in flames, basically. <laughs> a lot of people do. And the shot the shot of Tomlin, to all of you that have seen it, man, that was... Uh, they kind of set you up because you're just seated at a window and, you're, and, you, and it's not moving. It's kind of like, mm, I think I know what's happening. And then Tomlin just walks into view and just goes, see you later. Um, so that was... That was a crazy moment. Um, and Daenerys, or Danny, as we all like to call her, uh, is making her way with just the biggest coalition of anything that's ever made its way to King's Landing. She's got... What has she got, people? Let's think of everything that she's got. She's got the Unsullied, which just straight away is a giant army of people that never want to have sex because it's just... Or maybe they, maybe that's not fair to say. But let's just say they don't have an immediate urge to, and that's one of life's biggest distractions. So if they're just like, yo, I'm going to roll up and I'm ready to fight, and they have nothing to deter them away from that, they're pretty formidable. Then they get some of the people, some of the soldiers from Marine, um, and then... The uh, we have Theon um, and the Greyjoys basically showing up with their fleet of ships, and she has three dragons. She's just an unstoppable force at this point. Um, and now that King's Landing has been weakened by Cersei uh, with a giant explosion, um, you could still argue it's not too too much weakened because it was just the faith, the area of the faith that had been destroyed. Um, but it was uh, it was quite an episode, and now Cersei has some power about her. Um, I will say that. Um, and man, she's going to be a dangerous lady when th- the only thing that mattered to her, her three children, are no more. I somebody told me that usually Game of Thrones seasons end on like big cliffhangers that make you wait for the next one, but this one ended epically. It was yeah. I mean, 
It's it's not so much a cliffhanger in like a. It is it is in a way a cliffhanger. It's just more like An it action. sets up two pieces. It's like here's who's the new reigning uh, ruler of 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 um, our land of Westeros, and here is the force that's going to come and try and take it back. And all the while, there is this large looming threat that's just been there from the beginning of the White Walkers. And it's just like, it's kind of like our our current situation now. People, get your shit together as a human race because, as Westerosi people, because there's just greater threats out there. There just are. And there was one bit of, of fan theory that we finally seen, uh, finally had surface, which is the the fate of not the fate, the origin of Jon Snow was always suspect at best. He's supposed to be the bastard son of Ned Stark, and we have confirmation that that part's not true, that he was adopted. Um, as an uncle, um, so we have one half, but we don't know the other. I'm sure a lot of people have heard the theory and know what could have been the other pairing of a parent. Um, but we'll, I'll still leave that up for uh, discussion. Um, but yeah, there's a really great shot where we're looking at a child's eyes basically open, which they had the, the the kid's eyes had to have been CGI because I don't know how they could have trained a, a a child just basically looking so <laughs> slowly opening his eyes in such an innocent way. If they if they found that child, brilliant casting department. You are already doing an amazing job of showing all of the kids, make sure they look like their parents. You did a great job, but if you found a baby that actually opened its eyes very slowly at a young Ned Stark, oh my god, just I, I don't know, like you get an increase in salary and you get your own Emmy. Just hold the pose, just hold, sit, sit there with the whole, with the sleeping baby. Yeah. Just keep the camera on there. You or just to wait hours. Maybe you just <laughs> yeah, you just like clean it up, make sure it has none of the birth fluid on there and you just like sit on it like a hot potato and just wait. For the kid to open its eyes. <laughs> that would be great. But I don't think they did that. I yeah. think they did something. Um, uh, like, there's that video out. Uh, I haven't watched the full thing because, I mean, I don't I don't know the show well enough. That's mm. like the whole process of the CGI. Of making, about. yeah, Battle of the Bastards. I think we talked. Oh, yeah. I think we there talked we about that, yeah, on the previous one. Um, but, yeah, it's just like there's there's many Facebook videos out there, and that's one that deserves to be recirculated because that was such a good um, that was such a good uh, just insight into how they made it and showing what was practical and what was CG. And I think anyone that's taken film classes or has any like just opinions on film, it's that we shouldn't all be CG. We should be some practical and some CG. Yeah. Um, and I am all for that. And that was a cool hybrid to see. So, um, yes, super gratifying close to a super gratifying season of Game of Thrones. Um, and if you have any other thoughts of what could be, of what is happening, uh, give us a shout out on Twitter. Tell us what you think, um, on what you like most. If there's any moments that we missed, let us know and, uh, we'll uh, tweet back at you. Yeah. Uh, any <laughs> other, I'm going to throw it to you. Any other thoughts on, uh, nerdy news? Uh, Here's something that I included in the top of last week's episode, yes. but didn't quite get to go into full detail. 
uh, Famous Monsters it has a Kickstarter out right now for their comic book anthology, Tales from the Acker Mansion. Mm. Uh, full while back, actually, it was way early on. We had Holly on the podcast. Yes, we, we did get her back on, but she's hard to. She's hard to get. She's got many fires in the iron. Yes, this or being nope, one of them. Nope. Well, yeah, yeah. sure. She's got many fires in the iron. Mm. The iron quill that she writes from. <laughs> Yes. Uh, if there's one thing that I learned from Justin, it said starting a Kickstarter is a full-time job. Yeah, and it she is. She's in the midst of that now. Yeah, that's because true. Because she is the editor of Famous Monsters, mm-hmm. which is who we're talking about now. And they have a Kickstarter. Yes, for Tales from the Acker Mansion, uh, if you're unfamiliar, mm-hmm. Forey Ackerman is the was the founder of Famous Monsters and is like he is the man. Like, I look up to Guillermo del Toro. Guillermo del Toro looks up to Forey Ackerman. Yeah. He is the first person to have said the words sci-fi. He made that. Dang. He was the first cosplayer. Yes. He went to a sci-fi con dressed up as a robot. The first guy. Uh, He (laughs) he also had a house dedicated to, like, the movies and sci-fi and horror shit that he loved. He is... He's the original. He's one of the early just, like... He w- he's not just a fanboy. He's bigger than that. But, like, if a fanboy, like, surfaced, he's one of the early, at least in, like, a modern. Yeah. If he's got the museum was like, of all those things. He was full out. He helped um, prop up small directors such yeah. as John Carpenter. and spe- He was, you know, he was a huge influence on a lot of people. Mm. And so this year is what would have been his 100th birthday. And to celebrate. Amazing. Famous Monsters is working on Tales from the Acker Mansion, which is a comic book anthology with a bunch of awesome, rad contributors, starting out with the name Numero Uno, the legend himself, John Carpenter. He's so good. Yeah, he, he's oh, a, he'll be boy. contributing a, uh original short for this book. Oh, cool. Yeah. And they also got some other great people like William F. Nolan, John Five from mm. um, who's he the guitarist of? I, I always want to just say uh, who's Marilyn Manson's guitarist, right? Mm. John mm-hmm. Five. I'm uh, speaking like I know Marilyn Manson. I neither do I, but that's I know the name John Five. Yeah, because his last name is the number five. Okay, like hey, that's just something you know. Yeah, forget. Uh, Richard Richard Matheson. Dan DiDio. Oh, of course. We know him. Joe R. Lansdale and many others to come. But go check it out. It's on Kickstarter, Tales from the Acker Mansion. If you want, like, the full name to find, Famous Monsters Presents Tales from the Acker Mansion. Check it out. Now, picks of the week? Question mark? <laughs> uh, yes, I would say it is time for... Picks of the week. What was your very first pick of the week? Uh, my number one first pick of the week is Peanuts by Schultz. Friends Forever 2016 special. Uh, I was. You were showing me this. Mm. Well, there's there's a panel that I yeah that I, that I enjoyed a little bit in a narcissistic way. <laughs> but this is their Friends Forever 26. 26- 
teen special, and the stories in here. I'm not. I want to know more about the process of them making them, but they are all Charles Schulz stories that are adapted by Jason Cooper, and uh, art is done by a few different people. But it looks to be a lot of Vicky Scott and Paige Braddock and uh, Donna Almendrala. That sounds right. Noise. Yeah, and a few a few others, but it's all really great stuff that I kind of I've read back and read the original Peanuts strips, which are fantastic and they're yes. great, but I haven't dived quite deep enough into like his later stuff. Uh and so to think that Charles Schulz wrote these stories when he did and how like perfect they are for the times now, it's like uh it blew yeah. my mind how well suited they are to even tell current stories now. Um, I'm I'm terrible with all of their names, but I believe this is Peppermint, Patty, and Marcy. Okay. And they're talking about how in the first story, Dressed to Depress, uh, their school put up a new rule that she couldn't wear her shorts and flip-flops anymore and that they all had to wear dresses. Oh, and wow! And Patty okay. is like, "Fuck no! I'm gonna." They wear their dress, and it, she, like they kind of make fun of her, like, "Hi, you're wearing a dress." So the next day, she defies that and wears her normal shorts and flip flops. She gets in trouble. She has to go meet the principal. Really? The next day, Dang. she wears the shorts and flip flops again, saying, "Like, no, I'm just gonna be who I am. Like, I'm not a dress wearer. I'm a shorts and flip flops person. Yeah, I'm gonna just be me." And uh, again, they get in trouble. She said, you have to wear the dress. And then even after, like, that last time, they're saying, like, no, dress. Next day, shorts and flip-flops. She's ready, like, to give up. She feels hopeless, and she goes to school. Everybody's wearing the same outfit as her. And That's I was like, cool. oh, my God. Oh, my That's God. Cool. He wrote yeah. Jesus. It's perfect. So, so do they have, like, a preface at the beginning of this uh, comic? Sort of, like, putting into context what this is in terms of, like, his... His wanting this to be, or... Mm-mm. Well, no? I mean, as far as, well, I was going to say, because I know that the whole thing was that there weren't going to be any peanut stories afterwards, but there right. is a an original story in here written by Jason Cooper mm-hmm. that is a... That's also great. Like, it, it feels at place in the Peanuts realm. Yeah. But it, I was not concerned, but it was interested in that, like, oh... Charles Schultz didn't write this. Yeah, it, it, it duped you almost. You're like, this feels like such a thing that that, that could be. Yeah, yeah. and uh, his his story as well. It's a I don't know. The I get the sense that it's kind of about gentrification, mm-hmm. but also just growing up in general. It's really interesting where um, uh, interesting Snoopy comes across his old. Um, the farm that he was born at yeah, and where he grew up and mm-hmm. where Charlie Brown adopted him and they come across it and it's being demolished to build a mall. Hmm. So he's outraged. He invites all his brothers and sisters and no one can make it. But Charlie Brown still goes with them because they have these memories of like being there. It's important yeah. to them. And uh, every time they tell people, they're like, oh, that's awful. You should like go fight for them. But is there going to be a yoga shop in this place? Yeah. And, uh, and so they go, and it turns out that they're a day late, and it's already built. And, uh, oh. and so they're like, well, I mean, the memories aren't gone. Like, those are forever. Mm-hmm. Also, this yogurt is pretty good. 
So it's like a, a weird, hmm. sad, but I get it kind of story. Yeah. Hmm. And then there's some like original classic. Yeah, you know what's jokes. funny is I I don't. Those sound like good moral stories, honestly, mm. and I I feel like I miss that. I feel like there's not enough moral stories being made anymore. Mm. I don't I don't know what the. I mean, a lot of people. Uh, I am very over people being like, yeah, we've just replaced it with dark and grim because it's usually always geared towards uh, DC, which is not the case in DC uh, Justice League Rebirth uh, number one, which is one of my picks of the week. Um, So that's a pretty good segue to talk about it. Um, And I I will say this. uh, I wanted to talk about it earlier when we we were talking about um, video game um, things uh, sort of duping you into being like, this is really awesome, isn't it? And then it's something else. Yeah. Um, I don't think this is going to be the case with Injustice 2, which they um, had the trailer kind of a, a little bit back, but I'm, I think I might have talked about it, but the, I, it's just sat with me weird because Injustice 2 um, is a little different from Injustice 1 in that it was... I think they were showing heroes and villains like fighting each other. Basically, this was just all the heroes fighting each other. And isn't, wait, isn't that what Injustice One? Well, it, it it happened, but I think the way they marketed it was the fact that they were going to have villains and heroes, mm. even though that the heroes fight each other. Th- just the way that they marketed this um, was this Batman way versus w- Superman. Yeah, it was. It was just. It was, um, well, I think about the billboards. I was in Chicago at the time, and they were showing, yeah, um, Superman, like, punching Batman through things, like, just, like, doing his classic Superman fists flying into Batman. So, uh, yeah, that happened, but it was, they also showed, like, this the slow-mo of, of Batman fighting Harley Quinn, so that mm. was included. So it was just weird, because I feel like, with Civil War, with Batman versus Superman, with all these things, I wouldn't mind going back to showing the heroes get along and mm-hmm. what it is about their teamwork that works. Because we're just like in a weird spot right now. Of I don't think we need too many more examples in pop culture of 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 people whose ideals aren't aligned with each other clashing. And it it gets messy. Mm-hmm. I'd much rather see them come at it and be like, "All right, I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. Let's figure it out." I get it. It's a fighting game. That would be so boring for them to talk <laughs> about their feelings. I get it, but it's just um, it's it was nice to read uh, Justice League Rebirth uh, this week and see what it was, which was teamwork and what does it mean for um, the tentpole hero Superman. Um, what if the, if he's not a part of the Justice League? What is the Justice League? Um, was lightly talked about. So uh, in in this uh, epic told by Mr. Brian Hitch, who was doing uh, Justice League of America um, or JLA shortly before um, switching over to to this title, in which I, I've talked about on here. Rao was basically converting people to f- follow him and worship him, and that was the way in which he remained immortal um, and basically reaved a little bit of life from everyone and made their lives shorter 
um, all of the followers that he had. Um, so that was a great uh, tale, and I would say go back and read that. I think it's nine issues. It's a it's it was kind of an odd number. Um, that Brian Hitch is back and doing the inks. We have Daniel Enriquez, um, and also with uh, Scott Hanna on those inks, and colored by Alex Sinclair, which I believe Sinclair helped him um, on the previous Justice League title. And it gets into um, what what was what kind of happened in in the other one, which is these larger scale threats that basically the Justice League has to fight. So when uh, you turn the page, it's revealed this giant, just crab like tentacle Cthulhu bug um, just standing over Manhattan. Also very xenomorphy. Yeah, xenomorphy looking and uh, for sure. Um, and what happens is <laughs> in the same turn page where we get like a like a half splash of of him standing over the entire city, you get a shot of basically one of his many anuses that spit out what are essentially head crabs uh, for all of you Half Life people um, that latch onto people um, and they they it's funny because they all go for the back of people's head like they knock people over onto the ground and then they just latch on to the back of their head and they get up they stand up and they start walking towards this large crab so I don't know if it was like it's basically a an an organic drop ship for picking mm-hmm. up humans. Um, but they start walking towards that, and I forget that Cyborg just has this power. He makes boom tubes because in this version, um, Cyborg, uh, the technology that is a part of Cyborg is Motherbox technology. So mm-hmm. it would have the capacity to make boom tubes, which is how a lot of the um, uh, people of Apocalypse and things get around. Uh, he makes several different boob tu- <laughs> boob boom tubes that uh, take. Um, the uh, the people that are head crabs basically to Jersey, <laughs> it just relocates them all to Jersey, um, and then we get into the thick of it, which is Superman saying they had a different Superman. I don't want to take his place. I want to be here. I want to be a father and a husband because uh, this is the Superman of Earth One, and um, and Lois basically says if it's if it is a Superman that they need the team needs that the world needs that maybe you should be that. Um, and so when it seems like the team cannot figure out how to, um, beat this giant beast, um, Superman shows up and, and because he's just a powerhouse, he can see where the weaknesses are in the crab. He can, um, expose them. He can weaken those weak spots and then just say, focus on them. Um, and so, uh, then at the very end, there's this, there's just this big hurrah moment if you're a DC fan, if you're a fan of the Justice League. Um, they're talking to this giant alien that Aquaman kind of, because he has a you know he has the ability to talk to sea animals, but also animals, um, and or hear their thoughts. Um, Aquaman uh, knows that it's aware and it's conscious of them being uh, inside of it. And the Justice League has a moment where um, uh, Batman says, this is mercy, leave, tell all the other Reapers, tell everyone and everything like you that this world is protected. Superman says, whatever comes will face us. Flash says, consider yourself warned, Aquaman, we stand on guard, Wonder Woman, we're the Justice League, run. And the alien just takes off. 
and there's this nice. epic shot of of it leaving uh leaving earth so it was it that's what i'm talking about that's what i love is when it's almost very on the nose it's like a just obvious like we're not fighting with each other we're Weird. standing here as a team yeah um and we're looking a threat that actually threatens humanity not humanity threatening itself um and says gtfo so <laughs> Uh, a really great start to Justice League uh, with Rebirth number one, only two ninety nine. Check it out at Meltdown Comics. Nice. Next pick of the week from Aristotle. My next pick is Star Wars Han Solo number two. Very nice. Uh, I picked that up. I was going to read that. Um, so tell me about it. Still pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm just going to spoil it for you. Do it, do it, do it, do it. Uh, the last issue, it ended with them, uh, Han Solo, on a secret mission for the Rebels mm-hmm. to join this big galactic race. Yes. I, I, I use the word galactic, but I could be wrong. I don't know if it's actually a it, galactic it, race. but Interplanetary, I mean, interplanetary at, at least. But it's yeah, I highly think dangerous, yeah. Highly, extremely well-known. Um, so he starts the race with this secret mission. And as soon as the race starts, they're ambushed. And that's where that last issue mm. uh, ends off. This issue starts back up right there. And it's not quite an ambush, but it is the first uh, obstacle of this race. And it takes out a bunch of the other racers. So it kind of like... It's a it's a weird situation of watching some racers just try and get past these like rockets that are following them. Uh, and attacking the first them. trials, the kind first of. trial, yeah. and then some of them like, like one racer goes up in front of the Falcon and uses it as a shield, and yeah. then turns around and starts shooting at the Falcon, but also past the Falcon towards the things, but still like doesn't care if it's shooting the Falcon. So yeah. Han's like, "Oh, fuck no!" and you know, <laughs> kind of zooms off and uh, gets away from that. Yeah, and then the thing that they kind of. In in his inner monologue, Han's yeah. talking about like uh, I've been doing this a long time. I've gotten real good at running and hiding, uh, but something's changed now after the Death Star. Uh, but I'm like uh, most alive right now in this moment. Um, so he likes it's it's giving insight into being because he that's the thing that I forget about is he when they pitched the the whole idea of uh, the race, mm-hmm. I was like, this is cool, but that's when I started getting nitpicky and being like, but if you have warp drive, then, like, what what is an actual, like, race in space? I And then I, f- I forget about him. He's, like, super proud about the Kessel Run, mm-hmm. which is, you know, uh, is a part of him. So I would imagine the race would mean a lot to him. I was pictured, and I think this is true, the Kessel Run takes place on a planet versus like mm. in between like planet what's going on here yeah because yeah. obviously you wouldn't be able to use warp drive mm. in the planet uh, um but uh so they they kind of realized like constantly into himself like who in the world would like uh create such a race that kills the contestants yeah and he talks about how like a lot of people overthink things and the thing is so obvious no one ever sees it so he just shuts off the falcon as the things are coming right after him, and the announcers are like, well, what is he doing? He's surely done for. And then they zoom right past him. And the idea is that it's like the more you run, the more they're going to come after you. If you just turn off the ship, they're going to go away. The rockets. The rockets, yeah. Which is like, oh, hmm. that is so 
obvious, but I also never thought because another racer was also going like very slowly and, says, and hey. wasn't getting hit. Yeah, it was like this is you know patience. It's a race, but you still don't have to rush. And so I feel like that was the the clue to Han. But uh, so they land on their first planet for their first pit stop. And so then, it's starting to turn into a like they are focusing on taking out racers who are trying to race. But mm-hmm. if you, but it's also it's supposed to be a very tricky thing, and it's very impressive to everyone because yeah. he's a human, and everyone else is like so well experienced that in the last issue he shows up and everyone's like, "Who are you? Get yeah, out of here! I you remember don't know that. any of yeah. these things." So that was like the ultimate, uh, mm. like you know, I fucking got this. Uh, make their first pit stop. The Empire shows up. Dang, because this is placed. I always have to remember with all these different titles. This is placed after four, episode four. Yeah. Okay. Also, the other thing that I did like about it was um, some other stuff happens where Chewie goes off to like kind of see about the mission. Mm-hmm. Uh, while Han is getting arrested along with the other racers by the Empire. The Empire is taking all of them. But, but every- Chewie got free. Chewie, like, I think God was, like, away before they had got there. Yeah, um, yeah. But in between, you see all the, like, people in the crowd mm-hmm. saying, like, oh, that's Chewbacca from the Falcon. Oh, man. Like, oh, that's Han from the Falcon. Mm-hmm. And that people are loving Han because he's not one of, like, the elitist uh, other racers. Yeah. There's, like, he's like us. He's, like, he's proving that all these people, like, need to come down from their high horse. Yeah. And so when they're arresting That's him, cool. they're like, "No, like you can't do this. That's Han Solo." And, and uh, a uh, so then, is it, there more to that? Because it sounds like it, it ends setting with the, um, like them, I guess, fighting the stormtrooper or just kind of like tussling with the stormtrooper. The, the people, the fans, basically, right? A little bit, yeah. But yeah. then, like the the stormtroopers like punch Han, okay, and then it ends up with like uh, you know. We don't want to spill any blood on camera, do we? And then that's the last page. Okay. <laughs> um, and the creative team, uh, as a reminder, is uh, Marjorie Liu doing the writing and Mark Brooks on pencils, Dexter Vines on inks, and Sonia Obak on colors. Yes. Um, and it's put out by Marvel, of course. Yes. <laughs> okay, great. What's your next page? Uh, mine was uh, sort of uh, out of nowhere, was not expecting it, read it, and thought it was really good. Uh, it's called Brick, B-R-I-K, from Oni Press. Um, this is the issue number one. They're uh, very proudly saying uh, one ninety nine for this debut issue. Um, and I really enjoyed both story and art from this. This was written by Adam Glass and Michael Benson and illustrated by Hardwinder Singh um, and uh, colored by Gonzalo Dura- uh, Duarte. Duarte. Um, this, this, was, this, this was kind of a feel-good, even though there's some things that happen, um, New York story. Like, you could feel... Um, the 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 growing up in New York and and uh, what happens the fact there's uh, you're all, you get jumped um, depending on what what uh, part you live in and uh, the title character or not the title character but the uh, main protagonist um, he is growing up in Yonkers and he mm-hmm. talks about it pretty early on he says Yonkers sucks <laughs> I've heard all the stories about how great this place once was. How folks from the city came out here in droves 
all in search of a dream, a place where their families would be safe and prosper. And it's an immigrant story, and that's why it kind of it feels very American mm-hmm. um, in its in its sort of storytelling and in, in, in talking about families growing up, um, coming here, only taking odd jobs at the start, and then cutting out a slice of American pie, as they uh, say it in here. And so he's he's got the very loving. Um, I believe they never actually talk about um uh what country they're from and I just might be uh, I might be dense um in my understanding I'm not sure if this is uh, if they're Polish immigrants or if they're Russian immigrants but it, there is a heavy um Judeo presence um um and a Jewish presence and uh and that's and that and the lore of it is is told from the perspective of Jewish immigrants um and they and to keep this escapism from the hardships that the kid is going through, uh, his his grandfather um, tells him stories about the golem uh, that uh, saved him from the Nazis, and uh, this is uh, this is from the Kabbalah basically. So this was kind of schooling me in maybe what's lightly in the Kabbalah, or 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 just an understanding of the Kabbalah. Um, as a Jewish text of mysticism um, mm-hmm. that I wasn't, I've always, I've, I've heard the Kabbalah mentioned um, and they take a crack at Madonna uh, because she's mentioned the uh, Kabbalah and her own um, philosophies about it, but um, they take a crack at her and uh, this is, it's establishing the lore um, of what a golem is. And, uh, and it's this basically clay face, this giant, um, clay monster uh that's created by some of the high priests the rabbis in their community and uh it couldn't be killed um and we we see panels of the nazis attempting to kill it and there's this um this element of like is this actually real or is this a part of the story i took it as real just because we were reading the first issue and it's like there's got to be a point to this but (laughs) all the characters are like that's not real that's just fantasy and things like that and he tells a very interesting part of the story where um, and it made me go, oh, is that what that meant? And I don't, I didn't know if we got that out of um, the girls from Emmett Comics when they were here, but they um, oh. spelled Emmett on um, E-M-E-T on the golem's head, and that's how they controlled him, um, uh, basically the rabbis, um, to make him fight for truth, which is what Emmett um, translates to in, in their language. And... Um, and it, but but they believed that it had too much power. It stopped with the Nazis, but they were worried about it still, um, um, still being in existence. It's kind of like Harry's uh, whole thing with the Elder One. I need to break this. Um, so uh, what they did was they basically erased the E, um, the first E in uh, Emmett, and uh, once you uh, take away E, uh, Met becomes death, um, and so the creature died. And then in another sort of instance of death. Uh, the grandfather of our protagonist dies, um, and this uh, by I, th- I think sort of a Russian um, mob um, mm. that's sort of specking out their store and trying to uh, strong arm them to sell, um, and he dies, and uh, the big cliffhanger at the end of the issue is that um, the grandfather's body has tattoos on it and again this i thought this was a really good way of sort of talking about jewish culture and what's in the really older texts and 
what's believed and 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 playing within that um the mysticism of that um and uh and tattooed on the grandfather and they're not supposed to have tattoos and he has a giant one on his back which basically is the um uh the steps towards building a golem towards creating a golem so it was a really interesting thing he's he's on a gurney um in an uh, autopsy space um and he has a tattoo that basically explains how to build one so it was just a really unique issue uh very cheap and oni (laughs) i i love oni i think oni puts out a lot of really great stuff um wide variety always entertaining and put out scott pilgrim didn't they Oni? Yeah, didn't they? Yes. Or was that Dark Horse? No. I don't think no, it was no, Dark it's, Horse. No, it's Oni. Oh, okay. Um, so, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I I would definitely recommend this one. So that is um, my last and final pick of the week. And um, we – it's interesting because Meltcast has been, for me, a sort of grab bag set of talking points. We have mm-hmm. our, our core, which is comic books – and I take for granted a lot of times how good I have it in a comic shop because I'm surrounded by people who are opinionated, who mm-hmm. read texts, who think thoughts completely different from my own. But there's this, there's this way in which there's a focal point of it all of, of we just – we might not disagree – and a lot of times it's big discussions are had in comics uh, shops about the difference of, and they can be as highbrow as like no systems of government to like, no, really, I think Hulk would have a bigger dick than thing. Let's be honest. <laughs> like, like those things happen. Yeah. Um, but, but at the end of the day, I don't, I, I, I've worked here and I don't know if it's maybe the West coast chill um, or what. I, I just don't see people like not getting along here. Um, in terms of our comic, you know, they're they're all here for a common goal, and it's it's nice to have that because it it is um, we're in a bit of a turbulent point, and mm-hmm. um, being that we're we're a podcast where we talk about sort of sometimes our point of view, but just what we really think was a good um, uh, comic of the week. I, I I almost felt like I shouldn't talk about what happened this week. And so for those of you that have have stayed with us to the end, um, I chose not to talk about uh, Philando Castillo and Alton Sterling, uh, the two men who lost their lives this week um, in police shootings at the top because I feel like we've gotten to a point where anyone that is meant to be entertainment or a talking point sort of show talks about it at the beginning as a, almost obligatory way, and we move on to whatever the programming was. It's mm-hmm. something we get out at the way uh, at the beginning, and then we move on to the things. And I think it's very important that we still talk about the things, still talk about comics, still talk about Pokemon Go, despite these things happening. Because if I I I am always going to advocate for change happening and for mm-hmm. grassroots and things like that. And even when it's turning dangerous, like it it has been. Um, with the the shootings in uh, Dallas that were targeted at police officers, I think we, you know we're we're I I don't doubt we're ever that we're going to maintain this idea of protesting in the streets that we're never going to be scared away from that. I know that there's still fear happening, but I I felt like I had to say um, something, you know, in, in a sort of to commemorate, to acknowledge it, 
and acknowledge. And it's it's really hard because I see conversations happening on Facebook and this is an idea where the first thing you do is you become friends with that person. Any connection that you have uh, is is because you met them and you friend them. That's the idea, and it's just it turns into a uh, a place where we just uh, either we get to a point where something gets so politicized that we say just unfriend me. And I think we build these echo chambers where it's just all people who have the same, and it's mm. hard. It's hard to talk about it, and it's I think we're getting to a boiling point where almost a really good thing is happening where people go. You know, I can squabble with you all I want, and I might, I might be pro police. I might be, you know, pro black. Even though it's very obvious, you can do both. And Trevor Noah did a, a very it did yeah. a good segment on that where he, you know, talked about that. Um, even though I was pissed at him for um, getting six people who would vote for Trump, but were trying to vote for Bernie, that's complete bias. But anyways, I'm getting off track. Um, I, I think even though we have differences, we're starting to realize that we have a systemic problem. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, at least in the case of Philando Castillo, um, which was very hard for me to... I, it's been the first time that I've watched a video and I, cu- I couldn't make it all the way through. And mm-hmm. it was hard because um, I have friends who... I, I, I didn't even get to see the girl, um, the daughter, um, of the of the woman involved in that that was videotaping um but uh, i have friends who are i would imagine her age and are also black and i had it's it's so weird because i started off a phone call to one of them saying i don't know if this is wildly inappropriate um that something like this happens and i feel like i need to call a black friend basically but it, 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 I was just so overcome. I didn't know. Who, it's like I can't. If I just am talking about this with my white friends, I don't. I don't think I'm learning mm. anything, and I don't. I don't think I'm growing. And I called a friend of mine, uh, Stefan, who I was fortunate enough to be in a, a production of uh, Hairspray with, and that was that was another uh, theater is also another huge part of community with me, where I just get to be exposed to people from so many different walks of life, and uh, I. I said to him, I was like, I don't know how to feel about this. I don't know how to think. I don't know what's be done. And I don't even know if it's my place to really do anything. I think a lot of times when we are um, talking on Facebook, we feel like we have to say something mm-hmm. and it just ignites more. Yeah. And it's just like, I don't know to be proactive or not. And it's funny because I, I thought maybe Stefan, even though he's a really chill guy, was going to use it as an opportunity to maybe speak from a, a, a place of... Um, that could politicize sort of what's going on. But he kept it very grounded and just said to me, like, I don't have, I don't have anything that I could think I could say to you. You're, you're a kind guy. And I know this about you and I don't view you as any part of the problem. And I think that you, that is in a way a part of being a part of the solution. And, uh, he's like, the only advice I could say is just don't become a part of the problem. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's what I mean when I say I think we're starting to see how systemic this is because we're getting to a point where almost any race sees what's going on here and and um, needs it. There needs to be some changes happen. So, for those of you listening 
and I thank you, Aristotle, for in, indulging me in this moment. Um, I'm very much somebody who has to talk it out, and it may be really clunky, and it might be somebody going like, what are you talking? How is this not obvious to you? Um, but I I wanted to close uh, our uh, Melcast segment today with that to leave you thinking about it as you walk away. And if it gets to a point where um, somebody's talking and they don't seem to be coming from a a place of love, but a place of of hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like this broadcast to maybe give you a moment to to say think about that person's position and how you can help them. And uh, in the many ways of of nerd culture, of comic books, um, these are safe spaces of of community mm-hmm. and. Um, and I think we have to find the common ground, the communal element to all of this if we're going to move forward. Uh, anyway, I didn't mean to get on a, a, a soapbox, but I thank you all for listening to Melcast 3.0. Aristotle, any last thoughts? Uh, you don't. You I, don't have- I feel like it, it is a. <clears throat> uh, that's why I feel like it is so good here in the store because comic books as silly as they may be people do think of them still as like a a kid thing but i mean they're they almost always promote good yeah there's you're pretty hard pressed to find a like a hate speech comic yeah and so that's why you know i feel like comic books do help yeah yeah i, I especially with children cuz then you're you're building those thoughts in their head of like, okay, we got to work for early on. Good. Yeah. 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 So advice, read comic books. If you need escapism, read comic books. If you need a moral story, read comic books. If you want to learn about like I kind of did with brick about a culture and what is playfully there. Um, and, uh, and if you want to, you know, um, do something, feel free. If you want to sit back and listen, kind of like you're doing now too, I, I don't think that's so bad until it's time for you to actually do something. So mm. on the subject of listening, thank you for listening to Melcast 3.0. We will talk with you again next week. Uh, and in the meantime, have fun playing Pokemon Go. Hey, thanks for picking us up. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. We're at Meltcast. We occasionally tweet some things. And while you're at it, follow at Meltdown Comics. They're awesome, and you can keep up with all of their sales and events. They happen every day. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.